Are you looking for something? Are you trying to find it? <laughs> well, you found our podcast. <laughs> All right. One last we'll time. We'll decide what the time. intro is at some point. One last time. Um, right? But, well, no, I mean, here, uh, here we are. Uh, we just say, hey, I'm, I'm Mark Young, and that's Danny Vincent, and this is Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar journey. Uh, what are we talking about today, Danny? This will be one of two episodes ever where we do multiple different short films. This week, though, it's really hard to technically call any of these short films because they are categorized as tech demos. Now, one of these I do think is a legitimate short film. Uh, but it was released as a tech demo. What qualifies a Pixar short for our podcast that will get its own episode is pretty much it had its own distribution at festivals as a Pixar short film. These other things that we'll be watching this week were shown at tech conferences or in areas like that. Uh, in the next week, we'll be doing student films, which obviously are shown in college. They aren't shown. Mm-hmm. They might have been interested in some ent- entered in some student festivals. But for the most part, they won't be really widely released. But anyway, this week, mm-hmm. yes, we're talking about the tech demos. Uh, should I say How what did you are? find these? Uh, well, the- on Wikipedia, <laughs> you can look up pick, cool. a list of Pixar films, and you can go to the shorts, and it will have every single one listed. And then you Google them, and you find the ones that are available online. Uh, for example, I made an executive decision. I didn't even tell Mark about this, that we weren't going to bother watching any commercials Pixar did because. Oh no. There are, no, there are a lot of commercials, a lot. And they're really, a lot of them are hard to find. And they'll say that you have a different one, but it'll be exactly the same one you just watched. Uh, mm-hmm. so we're not going to do the, sh- the, the commercials. Sorry. We also, sadly, yeah. I couldn't find the Sesame Street because, uh, Luxo Jr. was a Sesame Street character. And I couldn't find any of the Sesame oh. Street shorts. So, unfortunately, mm. we won't be covering those either, I believe. Yeah, and as I was reading about this to kind of prep for today's today's episode especially, I was reading about how, like, Pixar technically did, like, the Genesis effect in Wrath of Khan. And I don't want to watch, like, all of Wrath of Khan <laughs> to see the Genesis effect. Even though I know I know it's kind of like a... I've, I've heard that come up a lot in film history, but that's just not what we're... That's that's just not the angle of the show. I think it's better to talk about like individual films and then our relationship to them. Yes, because also then we'll be stuck here in the early days for quite a long time getting through all this yeah. tech stuff. Um, yeah, but so, it is it is something important to remember that we're kind of cherry picking and we're coming to this from the future because we're thinking about Pixar as this entity which has been marketed as you know pixar is like a brand to us now when back then it's really like a branch of a studio and then it's just a few guys and then it's like and then it's a division of apple it's stuff like that too yeah, yeah. so just something to keep in mind as yeah. we're talking about pixar films we're kind of rushing to luxo jr in a sense you know we're, we're just trying to get yeah. there <laughs> Yeah. Because uh, that's when Pixar shorts really begin as how we define them. Mm-hmm. So, the five shorts we'll be talking about today are Blown in the Wind, Beach Chair, Flags and Waves, Volume Visualization with the Pixar Image Computer, and Pencil Test. And again, I say the word short film very loosely because these are tech demos for the most part. Um 
fact, as I said, I only view one of these as an actual short. Uh, but again, we're going to go in order. We can talk about like specific years, but basically these all came out in like mid to late 80s. Yes. Um, incredibly, I think every one of them came out after The Adventures of Wally B, which is wild to me because Wally B is so fully realized and all of these are just like if you don't understand like what is going on behind the scenes with the computers it's just like what what is this you know this is just a picture of a field or this is just a beach i think um, uh, these are all like late 80s i think to tip my hat really early i think pencil test works as a follow-up to wally b uh, it's the one that feels mm -hmm. like a fully realized film to me cool. we'll be doing blown in the wind first which i'll be honest uh that's some pretty impressive uh, computer graphics for uh, the 1980s, I feel like. like the It's funny that real. you... Sorry. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that the pencil test... Well, it might not be your favorite, but you talk about that one as being the most like a short film. And actually, when I saw Blown in the Wind about 20 minutes ago, um, I, was, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is like... This is, like, to me, what I want. Like, if someone, like, asks me what I like about movies and stuff like that, I would say it's something more like Blowing in the Wind, which, if you haven't seen it, is truly just a minute of grass blowing. In the and wind. then Bob Dylan plays in the background. The best... And... Can I just say that my favorite... There is one joke in the short, and it's in the credits, when John Lasseter is credited as Location Scout... Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, the credits for all of these are actually really—they're really clever. Yeah, they have like there's a whipcracker credit in pencil test. Yes, and it's like that's you know they they put all of their love into that. It's again, it's just like we were saying, like all of these are like films that children would make. So you have like the blooper reel is like <laughs> three times as long as the actual thing. Yes, but I, it. It connected with me, like, really on some some primal level. Like, I love it the way I love Stan Brakhage movies. Oh, that's actually a good and comparison, I feel sort of like. It feels very Stan yeah. Brakhage. Um, yeah. I mean, it looks nothing like that, but it's just the same, like, I want to watch this for an experience and a, a vibe. This is like the power of cinema to me, is that you can... It's just a moving image and some sound and it evokes so many feelings even though in the commentary track which i found also online they they just kind of joke about it i loved i loved blowing in the wind and do you have any strong feelings about the next one yes this is the one uh i don't remember if i said it actually in this episode or if i before we recorded but there's one of these that i got obsessed with in college and it's beach chair i think beach chair is hysterical beach chair mm -hmm. Uh, does a joke that I think I saw. Yeah, I saw it. If I remember, right, I saw it like in March of my senior year, and I don't know if you remember. I took an animation history class my junior year, and then mm -hmm. the, uh, at one point in the course, we had to make a stop motion film. So I had a Kylo Ren plush toy, and I had him grab the force using stop motion. Now. When I submitted it, it only had to be 10 seconds of stop motion, and I did that. So when I submitted it, though, I submitted a two-minute-long video because I wrote an entire Star Wars crawl 
for this and a credit. I actually, I actually do remember that. Yeah. Uh, so everyone would be like, why is this two minutes long? I'd be like, just watch it. Uh, and that's what Beach Chair reminds me of. Because we get this really dramatic like opening music, like title card. And then the actual short is just the beach chair walking up to touch the water and then it walks away. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, and it also gives us something that you see more in Pencil Test, but really is one of the defining characteristics of early Pixar is uh, inanimate figure being brought to life. Uh, and you really get that with this beach chair. Like, it's got a like, little personality being afraid of the water. And it's it's funny. Like I, I think it's legitimately funny, and I, I I find it really enjoyable, despite how short it is, that I can talk this much about it. Uh, I didn't like. I'm not I'm not really sure what Beach Chair was like going for, because the Squash and Stretch we see kind of the same things in Pencil Test, and with the volume vis- visualization with the Pixar image computer. Oh, wait, I'm talking about a different one. It, in Flags and Waves, yes, I mean... Yes, definitely not volume visualization the Pixar image computer. Yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> that, that one's... It's, it's not... We'll get to exactly. it. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, but in Flags and Waves, you see generated ocean waves, which are really cool looking. So I think the appeal of Beach Chair is the interaction with the water. But I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of long for that one moment, I think. And this is purely like subjective, like what enjoyment did I get out of a tech demo? I got a lot of enjoyment out of this tech demo, and I'll be honest, though, it's not because of the interaction with the water. To me, um, this is so interesting to me because it is, it's because one of Pixar's early traits is you know, a Toy Story bringing life to inanimate objects. That's the big one, obviously. But there are early shorts that we're going to get to. Like, we're going to see one about a bike. We're going to see one about a snow globe. Uh, and a beach mm-hmm. chair is just such a clearly not... We're going to cover one about a pencil. But a beach chair is so clearly not any of that. It is just a chair. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoy the goofiness of, like... Me seeing the title card, going, oh, this is just going to be like a thing about like someone setting up a beach chair. Nope, it's about an actual character that is a beach chair that doesn't want to yeah. go in the water. Uh, and that's where I get the joy from it, personally. Mm-hmm. So. I, I do like that the beach chair has a clear personality from from the moment that he appears. So I, I do enjoy that about it. Flags and waves. Well, it is, it is exactly that. It is <laughs> so a shot of some flags... <laughs> And then the camera kind of dollies up, and we see some waves in the background, and that is the whole deal. I didn't, like, look at what the flags were of. That might be interesting to, like, go back and see what countries they chose or whatever. My bizarre takeaway with this, which you can see in the other shorts, too, but it really stood out to me here, is how... It's clear that the only way you can watch, like, we all watch, we found these on the internet, and I mm-hmm. presume none of these have been restored in any way because they're tech demos. But I just noticed, like, wow, the, you can tell this was scanned from a thirty-five millimeter print. Like, there's nice little film grain on there. It adds a lot of texture to it. I'm like, well, that's probably not intentional, <laughs> but oh, I do like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like a little bit of film grain on it, and I, I really, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just we want to show this at a tech conference on film. Um, and this is what we we had to do. We had to put it on print. 
I think it's interesting to see this rudimentary CGI being clearly like on a film print. I don't have anything really to say about Flex and Waves. <laughs> it is what it says. Uh, I can't get mad at it, but like I can't get happy at it either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you mentioned something interesting about how we interact with these films, and I think that is a lot of the appeal of this project and a good segue to the volume vis- visualization <laughs> with um, the Pixar image demo. computer the volume visualization the with the Pixar image computer <laughs> um, which is basically a series <laughs> of simulations of like skeletons that rotate and cloud formations that they rotate and then different like aerodynamic patterns and how they are represented, and then those rotate, and then there's this dude kind of dryly talking over it all. It's so um, dry. The, the narration is... Yeah. You, you couldn't you be excited, like, for one moment during this of what you're talking about, because, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well, well but what, what appeals to me about this is how it is so like things that we will recognize from watching the Discovery Channel when we were younger. Yeah, Because it's true. that kind of thing. And it's inter- like I remember so much of this from watching like dinosaur shows, and when they show you recreations of the bones, and then they'll like this bone becomes pink because it's doing this function and stuff like that. If we are going to make an analogy, and this is a Pixar podcast, it sounds to me like you took a bite of the ratatouille, and yeah. you went back to your childhood by watching this video of just an otter skeleton rotating slowly. Uh, yeah. Or like the inside of like a of a hurricane, stuff like that, uh, and mm. that is a good parallel. That I didn't even think about, you know, not even when I was a kid, but like when you're in high school and your teacher's showing this old Nova episode from the 1990s. Mm. <laughs> this is the visuals that you get. Nova, Bill Nye, Bill Nye has some of this too in it too, like the really mm. rudimentary CGI. Um, I have never seen an episode of Bill Nye. Bill Nye is great. You've seen Mank though, right? What? You've seen Mank, right? The David Fincher film. Are you talking about the David Fincher movie? <laughs> yes. yes. Good. What, okay, what so you've earth? seen a Bill Nye. You've seen a Bill Nye episode. Bill Nye's in in that movie. You don't. You remember the cameo? He plays what? Upton Sinclair, and he like gives a stump speech, and he just does his Bill Nye voice, and he's oh, like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> it's he very was, bizarre." He was in Mank. <laughs> it's That's a very right. weird cameo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I cannot believe that I have seen Mank. I saw that in theaters the day before all the Chicago theaters closed down again in the end of 2020. Uh, oh, and yeah. I went with my younger brother who had never... He like he was like, I love Social Network. I like... Uh, I think he was like Zodiac's okay. I'm trying to think of whatever French movie he saw. He's seen some of them, but it wasn't seven. But anyway, so we saw Mank and he's like, Danny, I've never seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> what was I supposed to get out of that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've wasted. Uh, thank you, Mank, for letting us fill more time on the Pixar image computer. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you for the Pixar image computer volume and visualization test. You really <laughs> took us. That was that was a Madeline pencil test. This is one that feels like an actual short. It's fun. It's not really memorable. I'll be honest. I watched it about like what twenty minutes ago now, and I I really don't remember much details from it. Mm-hmm. Uh. I do remember one bit, which is when uh, it's afraid the human is walking back, so it sucks in air, so that way the digitally flat pencil can look like a normal pencil. 
You don't remember oh. that joke? That's really interesting to me. No, I was really baffled by that moment. He thinks the human's that- doing that, so he breathes in air, even though he's a digital representation. And I want to be clear to the listeners. We are li- like it. It's not. We're not calling it a digital representation of a pencil because this is a computer animated short. We're calling it because it is literally the pencil icon in Microsoft. Not my. Uh, what is whatever Apple like Paint Apple's or whatever drawing program? Apple's drawing program. Yes, that is the character because it escapes from the Macintosh and meets like a real pencil and stuff like that. Anyway, so the plot is like the pencil somehow escapes and tries to get back. It's it's fun. I think it's fun. I'm a little less hot on it now that we getting back to because I'm like I really don't remember much about it. I just didn't remember like being like oh this is clever. I noticed Andrew Stanton's name in the credits, which is a big name that we'll we'll talk about a lot on this podcast down the mm-hmm. road. I don't know. It's cute. It actually gave me of these. It's the one that gave me the most like frog me back to childhood type of thing because the computer mm. looks like the computer from VeggieTales, uh, and I was like oh. And it honestly, the entire animation of it looks like VeggieTales because VeggieTales doesn't have good animation. What I read about Pencil Test is that it is a sh- it showed the Macintosh's animation abilities. Yes, the entire thing was so, animated on Macs. They say yes. Credits, the entire thing was animated on Macs. Do you have a Mac? No, I have a PC. Yeah, I wanted to mention something because yeah. we. We want to get someone on the podcast who knows about how computer animation works and some of the behind the scenes stuff, which we can read about, but we don't have a lot of firsthand experience with. But I've had a lot of joy reading about the technical side of the the production of a lot of these movies and how they're showing off advancements in computing. And it's a lot of math if you want to do like a deep dive on Wikipedia and just like follow some links and read about this stuff. So in my in my own life, I've been reading this book, The Elements of Computing Systems, Building a Modern Computer from First Principles, and it's really made me appreciate how tricky the math is. Those are just some things that I are kind of out of our depth here, but have been really enjoyable for me to kind of go down the rabbit hole with if anyone's interested in any of that. I think it's interesting, um, just saying this now, um, you know, as po- we're still, t- you know, this is still our second episode, we're still kind of figuring out what the, even though we said our last episode what our mission statement is, we're still figuring that out, right? And I yeah. think it's interesting to see how our mission statement's going to evolve, because I definitely think up until, say, Finding Nemo, the main conversation will be uh, the technology, Right. And mm-hmm. how, and then of course also how those other films relate to us as a kid when we watch them over and over again as a kid necessarily. And then mm-hmm. after that, after Finding Nemo, I feel like Pixar becomes you know the entity that isn't necessarily about their tech; it's about their storytelling, and it's mind blowing. And then of course we get to the era where people are like Pixar's bad now. You know, you know what I mean. It's gonna be interesting to see how this conversation evolves. What we focus on because right now, one hundred percent, we have to focus on the tech because the story is fine it's intra it they work but it is just we're figuring out how to use this technology to to tell stories and in some cases to tell others how to tell stories if for the example of uh, volume visualization of the pixar image computer i i was thinking about this earlier today actually i think and what has kind of brought me into this episode like really pumped has been the idea that we're talking about movies and how they relate to our own lives 
like if it's sort of like if we all lived in the same town and there was like a fountain in the middle of town and we all knew the fountain and we all were to like tell stories from our lives as they were related to this object we all had in common that's kind of how i think about this project is that it's less about it's not less about the films but it's sort of like thinking about how a cultural institution has impacted our lives and has shaped our thinking and our consumption of of media for me when i think about pixar and how pixar has really influenced me it's about storytelling and how mm -hmm. like i've learned how to tell stories from their movies and their short films and as such i feel like always these ones were going to be a little like for me i'm like yep yeah, we gotta get through them you know like we gotta we gotta like just get them done uh mm -hmm. so that way we can get to the good stuff um and i do think there is as i said i like beach chair a lot and pencil test is interesting even if i forgot most of it by now because it is very rudimentary um and i like the points especially like you found worth in volume visualization with the Pixar image computer. So I'm glad you're here with me for that. Because I'm like looking mm -hmm. at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, what a waste of my six minutes of my life gone. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. We're we're get, we're getting we're getting like very deep and we can we can probably we can probably save these for the save some of this for the next time. Down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of next time. Speaking of next we time. We alluded to before, we'll be talking about the student films of the original what i would well their official term is the brain trust uh but the brain trust has evolved since then but we're really looking at what i would say are the core three three pixar directors in terms of influence on the studio which are john lasseter who as we mentioned before and we will probably mention every time he comes up on this podcast uh is not a good person but he did he's a massive influence on the studio at this point in time and Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so John Lasseter's student films we'll be talking about. Uh, we'll be talking about Andrew Stanton, who goes on to do Finding Nemo and Wally for the studio, which I would say, I would say m maybe this is a crazy take, and it's not actually my opinion. I get the impression always, and we'll obviously talk about this when we get to Wally, that Wally is the movie that is always mm -hmm. put up as this is the achievement that Pixar did. Like, this is what everything built up to in that early era. Wally is the masterpiece. Hmm. At least that's what I always feel like when I hear when I hear from people who aren't necessarily into animation. They'll be like, "No, but Wally though. Wally is great." Hmm. Um, and then of course Pete Doctor, who has been with the studio since the beginning, is now taking over for John Lasseter as the head of the studio. Mm -hmm. Each of them have two short films. John Lasseter's are Lady in the Lamp and Nightmare. Andrew Stanton's are Winter and Somewhere in the Arctic. Not, not related as far as mm -hmm. I remember. And then Pete Doctor has Palm Springs, not with Andy Samberg, and Next Door, which is also not related to Monsters, Inc., as far as I'm aware. So, cool. six short films next time. These will be more focused on the storytelling than the technical aspects, which will be interesting to talk about. Because I think all these are traditionally animated, if I remember right. Oh, okay. That we'll be talking about. So. Cool. Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar podcast, is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. I do the editing, and our artwork is done by Sarah Knopf. Yeah, and you can find us at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter at Pixar Journey, and on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. 
If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, markyoungperformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Wise with Ty and Dan and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Blankments for all my takes on all the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.